Is it on? Yep. Cool. <clears throat> so, um, first of all, I want to thank you all for the opportunity to come and, and speak in front of you all. It's a blessing any time that I get to, uh, to teach the Word to anyone, much less in front of our own congregation. Um, I consider that a blessing. Um, I'm also very thankful, and I want to give the opportunity to thankful for my, my friends and my family that are here uh, tonight. I don't know if y'all noticed, but I felt like I have a small army that walked in, um, but it truly is a blessing. I'm really thankful for your, for your caring and your friendship. It's your support. It's, it means a lot. So, um, I don't know about you guys, but so far, this Fruit of the Spirit series has been very humbling for me. Um, I hope that it's been the same for you all um, as I was preparing for this sermon on gentleness, I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. And um, in the early stages, I actually looked at Emily at one point and I said, you know what's really funny about all of this? She was like, what's that? And I said, I'm 23 and I've been married for nine months and I'm about to teach people how to be gentle. And it just doesn't make any much sense, but uh, thankfully you all are not depending upon my experiences of being gentle. Um, we're going to be going to the Bible about it instead. Um, so um, I've structured this sermon into three different sections for those who are taking notes or anything like that. Um, we're going to be answering three different questions about gentleness. That is, what is gentleness? Why do we practice it? And how do we practice it? So those are the three things that we're going to be covering um, as we move forward. Um, there is a slight confusion about gentleness, I think, that I found as I was pondering and I was thinking and I was praying about it. Um, and that is that our, our typical thought about gentleness, our typical understanding is a little bit incomplete. And what I mean by that is I mean that when we think about gentleness, we think about being very soft or very tender, um, easygoing. And, and let me give you an example. Um, this past Christmas, we left Louisville to go back and visit with family, and the first place that we went was we went to Emily's grandparents' house to visit with her family and, and have a good time and see them for the first time in a while. And another event had recently occurred right before Christmas. Emily has a cousin who had had a child just a week prior. Um, the baby had had several complications, but had come out come out fine by God's grace, praise the Lord, and, uh, and the baby was there. And so everyone was, was holding it and, you know, going by the parents to, to see how they were doing and get a look at the baby. And at one point, they came over to me and Emily sitting on the couch, and they looked at Emily and they were like, do you want to hold? Do you want to hold him? And Emily's response was quickly, no, I don't want to hold him. <laughs> And, and it's not because she doesn't love children or anything like that, but she was just a little nervous. Well, I don't know if you know this. I have a brother who is 11 years old. I almost said 10. And um, he was born when I was in the sixth grade. So I've been holding babies for a very long time. And so when they asked me if I wanted to hold him, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so they handed me the baby. And I was, you know, I was just sitting here on the couch holding him. And, and Emily, first of all, looks at me and is just, this doesn't look right. I don't like how natural this all looks to you. Um, but also, you know, Emily's mom looked over and said, well, you just got to be gentle. 
When you hold a baby, you just have to be gentle you know, and, and be easy. That's what we kept having to tell the kids who wanted to come and look at the baby. You've got to be easy. You don't want to hurt him. Um, but I think a biblical understanding of gentleness is more than that. I think the Bible describes more than that when it comes to gentleness. And, and here's what I mean. Um, our main passage is, of course, going to be Galatians 5. Uh, but in order to kind of uh, expand our understanding of gentleness, we're going to look at some other, some other texts. Um, because the fruit of the Spirit should be manifesting itself in the lives of every believer. And so when I thought about that, my first thought was as well, if I'm going to, if, if those fruit of the Spirit, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit is something that is supposed to be coming out in the lives of every believer, then I want to look at the examples of the very best. And the two examples that came to my mind were, of course, Paul, and then the standard of all things, Jesus. Um, and so the first example I want to look at is Paul, and it's actually still in Galatians, and it is the first thing he says after he's given the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's actually something that Josh just uses our call to worship. You're actually going to hear me repeating texts that Josh has been using all day because, ironically enough, that's just what he's been using. So, um, and he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. And this makes sense. You know, Paul is describing the way you want to deal with a brother uh, who has found himself sinning. You want to restore him in gentleness. You want to be sure to be kind and uplifting and loving to that person in that situation. But what's funny about Paul is that just several chapters earlier, he's very hard in his language towards the Galatians. For instance, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you re receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The Galatians had been having problems with hearing a false gospel preached to them, and they were beginning to kind of revert towards it. And Paul has some very hard language for them in regards to them moving a little bit away from the gospel that he preached. And, and he had some strong language um, for the people that did this as well, um, as he says in, uh, in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 9, he says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to one that you received, let him be accursed. He's very hard towards the people that were preaching this false gospel. So we kind of see two different, two different things being taught to Paul, or taught from Paul, in, in, in regards to the way he's speaking. Right? Some of it's very hard and some of it seems to be right in line with what we think about gentleness. And then there's Jesus, right? who, is the, who is the ultimate standard. And um, I, think, I think when we think about Jesus, we like to and we are prone to think of Jesus in the soft and the tender moments of his life and ministry. Um, two in particular um, is Matthew 19, which Joss also mentioned earlier, where the children are being brought to him and the disciples 
are looking to rebuke the people and turn the children away. And Jesus immediately says, no, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. We would associate that kind of response with gentleness, right? He has a, he has a desire and a care for these children to come to him. And so that's our, our natural response to think, wow, look how gentle Jesus is, especially in a situation regarding children. And, uh, and another one we see, which um, the students have actually been going through John um, in, in the student ministry on Wednesday nights, and, and Jake has been doing a great job with that. But when I was thinking about our typical thoughts of Jesus in regards to gentleness, this is one of the, the scenes that I think of. And in this scene, Lazarus has just died. It's fairly popular. Um, and, and Jesus finally arrives on the scene, um, considered late by the rest of the people. You know, it's too late. He's already dead. He's been dead. Um, but, but we see something about Jesus that makes him see like, seem like he something that we would associate with gentleness. He says, when Jesus saw her weeping in regards to Mary and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus weeping over the loss of someone dear to him would seem like a manifestation of what we would think of as gentleness. He's being gentle to a very, very sad and devastating situation. His response seems to portray him as very gentle in our minds. But then, there's another scene where it just doesn't seem like Jesus is maybe quite as gentle as we thought he was. And this is in, uh, this is in Matthew 21. Again, I'm, I apologize. We're going to be turning a little bit until we plan ourselves in Galatians 5. Um, but Matthew 21, Jesus has just come into Jerusalem, you know, in a triumphal entry, triumphal entry, uh, riding on a colt. And then he comes to the temple, and, and we all know the story. It starts in verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Jesus arrives on a scene that is not okay, and he seems to deal very harshly with the situation. He is not happy. He seems to be showing his righteous anger about the situation. Um, I don't know about you, but if we were doing something, or the children were doing something here in the sanctuary, and Josh came in here flipping pews everywhere, um, I don't think we would be thinking, wow, look how gentle he is. Um, so we have to work out what's going on with these uh, two different sides of, these, of Paul, you know, someone we would consider the greatest believer of all, and Jesus, who is God, they seem to be giving us two different stories. There seems to be some kind of friction, almost, between what's going on here. But I don't think that's what's happening. Rather, I think that their understanding of gentleness is completely comprehensive. They have a fuller understanding of what gentleness actually is. Because gentleness is not being so soft and so tender to the point that we lose conviction. 
the definition that I, that I came to, rather, was that gentleness seems to be a character trait that has at its core a heart for others. But this includes a proper understanding of sin and what is righteous to God. So if we take the example of Jesus when He comes into the temple and He's flipping tables and He is running these uh, merchants out of the temple, what we're seeing is Jesus having something to say. He has something to teach. And He has conviction. But He's being gentle, to be honest, because this is the house of God. Much worse things should be coming to you for doing what they're doing in the temple. But we don't think of that as, as gentle, right? As, as Jesus showing gentleness to these people. But, but He is in a sense that He's teaching them what is right. Gentleness is not forsaking the conviction about what is right and righteous. And that's what Paul does when he is writing to the Galatians and he calls them foolish. He doesn't use that language necessarily to hurt their feelings, although I'm sure it did. But what he's trying to communicate is the severity of a situation. You cannot be believing another gospel because the only other things other than what I taught you will condemn you. There's a severity to the situation. And he's actually showing gentleness by making them aware of how serious an issue this is. There's gentleness in what he's trying to communicate to them. And so what I have is that gentleness is loving kindness coupled with con biblical conviction. That is what I've come to that, that gentleness is. It is those two things coupled <clears throat> so why do we practice gentleness? And this is where we're going to go back to Galatians 5 and we're going to plant ourselves there uh, for the rest of the time. So I'll give you some time to flip back there real quick because I need the time myself. Um, and, and one of the things that I want to communicate is that all the speakers that have come before me have done a really, really great job of covering both fruits, both fruits, right? The fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Um, but we're going to be focusing mainly on the fruits of the Spirit and then going forward. Um, so we're going to start in verse 23. General, or 22, sorry. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Um, so the next question is, why do we practice gentleness? Um, as believers, as I said earlier, we know that these fruit of the Spirit are to be manifesting themselves out of us, right? They're a work of the Spirit in us. We have been redeemed by Christ. The Spirit has been given to us, and it is now working in us. And these fruits are the product of that work, right? Um, 
And so, when we, when, we do the, when we do these things, when we're experiencing the product of these fruit, we have to ask ourselves the question, exactly why are we doing it? I think the answer is fairly simple. You and I act gently towards others because we have experienced great gentleness as believers. We have been dealt with gently. And what I mean by that is that we, we understand the gospel, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what that means is that we understand that there was no greater act of gentleness than what happened at the cross. Right? And it's a perfect picture of what we've been talking about in terms of our biblical understanding of gentleness because God didn't just do away with his wrath. He didn't just exempt everything from it. Right? He, he, he displayed it. It wasn't left out. So his conviction didn't just disappear. He wasn't just soft and tender to us and saying, oh, I'm just going to forget about it. But rather, he showed his wrath on Jesus Christ so that we could be dealt with gently and experience gentleness. And so we, we practice gentleness because God has dealt with us gently. And he has done so at the expense of displaying his wrath on Jesus Christ. And so now that we know what it is and why we do it, the next question is, is how do we do it? Where do we go from here? And I have, uh, I have two things that I, that I came to, to find that I think are helpful towards practicing gentleness in our daily lives. I think the first thing that helps us practice gentleness is reminding ourselves of the reason why. So we're going to start there and just kind of work our way out. And it's reminding ourselves of the reason why. And is that, and is that, that is reminding ourselves continually that gentleness has been shown to us. Um, I think it's common that we don't like to be on the receiving end of gentleness sometimes, which is kind of funny. You know, we don't want to seem as if we are vulnerable or we are weak. We don't need you to show your gentleness to us because I'm just fine. I'm good. Um, but the truth is, and the, what the Bible has to say about you is that you weren't fine. You're not fine. But your sins can be forgiven by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then you experience great gentleness. And that is something that we have to continually remind ourselves if we're going to see gentleness be a fruit of our own lives. And the second thing, and it's a little more practical, is that we practice gentleness in how we deal with sinners, which is all of us. Um, we care for them deeply. We consider their interests. We love them. And we don't allow their sin, though different than what our own may be, to deter us from loving them. But we also don't lose our conviction in the process. We don't not call their sin, sin. It is what it is. 
it's sin and it is unrighteous and it is filthy before God but that doesn't change the fact that they are image bearers of God and we love them and they can experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ the same way that you and I have gentleness manifests itself in the way that we deal with sinners the way we deal with each other um, and so that was that is my that's my practical exhortation to you as far as gentleness is that the best way that you can display gentleness is in the way that you deal and you love sinners and other people people who maybe even have harmed you that is the way gentleness manifests itself and so my my prayer is that uh, is that going forward again our that we would continually remind ourselves that fruit of the spirit bears itself out bears itself out in us because we love Jesus Christ and because he has dealt with us so gently and that now we have a calling and we have the opportunity to reciprocate that to others in our community and sinners who are let's let's be honest all of us and all around us so uh, I'm gonna pray and uh, then I think we're gonna do the Lord's Supper tonight